0: hey everyone welcome back to the all things gymnastics podcast i'm ashley and i'm Brittany, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics and this week we have a commissioned episode about NCAA controversies so thank you to stephanie s for commissioning this episode today we're going to be talking about gymnasts being arrested a house party gone wrong suspicious college admissions and so much more so stay tuned But before we get into that, we want to real quickly take a moment to thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. So a big thank you to Maya A, Becca S, Nina L, DFP, Stephanie S, Blake B, Elaine E, Rydog, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, and Erica S. Thank you guys so much for continuing to support our podcast each month. We appreciate it so, so much. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, you can find more information on our website, it's allthinsgympod.com, and we will also have a link to that in our show notes down below. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Okay, so we're going to start this episode by giving another update on gymnasts who have decided to take their fifth, and in some cases, sixth year of NCAA eligibility, because after we did last week's episode where we went through the whole list A bunch more girls came forward and said they were going to take the extra year. We totally knew that was going to happen. Yeah, and it's going to continue to happen. Like, we'll put this episode out, and then next week more people will say that they're going to take the extra year. So we'll just keep updating you guys as we go on. But real quickly, I'm going to read through the updated list. Well, not the full list, just the people that we didn't mention last time. So people that have announced within the last week, basically, that they're going to come back. So, we have Anna Loper and Lexi Ramler from Minnesota, which I'm super, super happy about that one. I think the entire gym tonight is because mm-hmm. Minnesota is a team that's on the rise. And I feel like Anna and Lexi have played a really big role in that. And to think about how good they were this year, and then they're having two of their key players come back as well as more freshmen coming in next year, I just think Minnesota is going to be good for quite a while. I agree. We also have Anika Djokovic and Michaela Curtis from Nebraska. Catherine Doran and Alexis Richardson from Bridgeport. And then basically the entire LSU senior class minus Olivia Gunter is coming back, which is also really exciting and great news for LSU because they're going to have a super strong team next year. So we have Reagan Campbell coming back, Bridget Dean, Christina Desiderio, Sammy Durante, Sarah Edwards. I'm a little bit surprised to see that. I didn't think that we would see the entire senior class basically was a coming back of, there was a part of me that didn't and then there was a part of me that did so <laughs> it's nice that we finally have our answer though yeah well it's just that a lot of these girls like we said in last week's episode have dealt with injuries like chronic injuries throughout their career and none of them are all-arounders i think mainly because of that reason so it's interesting interesting yeah. choice happy for them nonetheless and Things are looking very, very good for LSU next season. And honestly, I feel like so many teams with all of the top... It feels like all of the top seniors so far from every big school, they have their top girl coming back or their top couple of girls coming back. So things are just gonna be interesting next year but like it was competitive this year it's gonna be even more competitive next year it's gonna be intense also real quick i don't know why i totally skipped over audrey barber from maryland which is huge for maryland another big one and then nicole Javinette, i think is how you say her last name from bridgeport in transfer news we have libby garfoot she's a junior and she's transferring from penn to george washington and then in retirement news, we have Jen Z Givens, who's a junior on Alabama's team, announced her retirement this past week just due to injuries. And then last week, like we said, Alexis Vazquez from Denver. Not so much injury-related for her, but just mental health and you know not gelling with the team and just just feeling like she was ready to move on so as of right now i believe unless we're missing something those are the only two retirement announcements that we've seen so far and our very first transfer as well yes but I think as time goes on, we're definitely gonna see a little bit more. Hopefully not too much on the retirement end, but more so on the transfer side of things. I think we're gonna see a couple girls moving around as we usually do heading into, you know, the next college gymnastics season. So we're gonna be keeping our eyes on that for sure. And we'll keep you guys updated too, you know, at the beginning of every episode. Anytime we hear an update, we will share it with you guys. We also wanna take a moment to send our deepest condolences and our thoughts to the Downey family. Josh Downey, who was the brother of Ellie and Rebecca Downey, passed away on May 6th, and he was only 24 years old, so obviously this is super devastating for the whole family, and for Ellie and Rebecca, obviously they're training for the upcoming Olympics, and I would imagine that this is probably going to take a toll on them mentally. Yeah. I can't imagine what they're going through, and... We just want to send all our love and our thoughts and well wishes to them during this difficult time all right so let's get into the meat and beef of today's podcast and this week's episode is all about ncaa controversies this is actually our very first ever commissioned episode So thank you to our Gold Level Patreon supporter, Stephanie S., for commissioning this topic to talk about. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie. And also, guys, if you're a Gold Level Patreon supporter, just so you know, you can email us different topic ideas, and we will do them. We apologize to Stephanie. I know I sent you an email, but we kind of pushed this one back i would say like a month just because we already had episodes planned out and we wanted to cover things that were relevant to college gymnastics season ending before we you know got into this topic so thank you for your patience and also thank you so much for being a supporter we appreciate you so much and we hope you enjoy it because we definitely had some fun digging through old news stories and kind of bringing back all of this (laughs) drama garbage (laughs) Um, There's so, a lot. There's a lot of different things that we could talk about, and some things that we're not even going to talk about in this episode. So, mm-hmm. we do have the potential to do another one of these if you guys enjoy this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys want us to do another one of these, just let us know. We'll certainly do that. But um, I guess we'll start by saying that all of the things that we talk about today are not things that are not known to the public. It's nothing secret. We're not necessarily spilling the tea in any way, it's all public knowledge. Yes. We are going to link in the show notes a news story, if we have one, for each of these. That way you can go and look at it on your own if you wish. We're or citing we... our sources, just like we do in college. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, obviously, you could probably Google a lot of these things and find out basically everything that we're talking about on your own anyways. Um we're doing that on purpose. We don't want to add to any drama or say things that are not public information and stuff like that. We don't want to necessarily add to any of the drama. So we're just, just trying to speak the facts yeah. and you know only talk about things that are public, that have been confirmed, that have had you know some sort of either legal action or consequence that was taken that we know of. So that way we're just not speculating on anything. Yeah. Not a big fan of speculation, especially when you don't have anything to back it up. And especially when things aren't public, I don't like commenting on things that like you're the only one that knows about it. And then it's like, I don't know. I don't yeah, it's like there's sometimes things that aren't necessarily public. It's kind of things that gymnastics fans are talking about amongst themselves. Or if, you know, someone has a connection to a certain team, they might be more privy to certain information than, than the public would be. Mm-hmm. But then it's like you have to reflect and be like, OK, wait, who told me this information? Am I allowed to say where it? am I getting this from? Right. So that's why we're trying to just stick to things that have been said publicly. So there may be more details to some of these stories, and you can go ahead and share them with us. But We just wanted to make sure that everything that was coming out of our mouths on this episode, we could back up with either a news story, a statement from an athlete, you know, things of that nature. So Brittany and I have split these up. We each took our own topics. I feel like we're in school. We took our own topics. We did our own research got all our sources in line got the facts so we're just gonna go back and forth i guess and i'll start you can go after me and then we'll alternate sounds good (laughs) so i will start with lauren lee who is a former boga gymnast she was also a former penn state slash lsu gymnast so she was at penn state for one year back in 2015 and she actually got busted for shoplifting on two different occasions. And as a result of that, she missed out on the Big Ten Championships regional. She basically missed the whole postseason because of this. She was dismissed from the team at their discretion, like they were the ones that basically let her go. Mm-hmm. And she actually got picked up by LSU, which is <laughs> like kind of a flex, but also kind of annoying. Yeah, kind of. Um, I've I've heard many different opinions from people in the gymnastics world on this in particular because. It kind of feels like she was rewarded because she went from Penn State to LSU. And that's not to, like, diminish Penn State as a program, but when it comes to, like, postseason play and stuff like that. National rankings. Yeah, LSU is a better team. That's not a secret. We can all (laughs) admit to that. So it seemed like a little bit of an upgrade As a result of a punishment. Like, it it was supposed to be a punishment when she got let go from Penn State and then she got picked up from LSU. It reminds me of those, like, posts that you see where, like, girls break up with their ex-boyfriend and then they upgrade to, like, a way hotter guy. Yeah. It's, like, totally that, but gymnastics version. Another thing that I thought was interesting, too, and they're not directly related, it's just, like, an interesting observation. Randy Lau and Sydney Sanabria Robles, they both started their careers at LSU And then transferred to Penn State. So Lauren Lee was a freshman during Randy and Sydney's senior year at Penn State, and they basically like flipped programs, (laughs) which is just interesting, I guess. That is kind of weird. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I found on that. I didn't really find much in the way of. Any legal action that was taken against her, or if you know she had to do community service, probation, anything like that, there wasn't a whole lot public other than the fact that she was just let go from the team. At Penn state. Yeah, I do know, and this might vary from state to state, I just know in the state of Michigan, like when you're caught shoplifting and it's your first offense, there are. Certain like loopholes, I guess, that you can go through to get that removed from your record and also not necessarily face any like major consequences. major consequences. Like, you're not going to go to jail for it, usually, you just pay like fines and, and it probably have some sort of like community service or something of that nature Mm -hmm. and it probably is the same for most states i guess let us know if you guys happen to know in your state and what the laws are on that and it would probably depend too on what she actually stole yep and how much like because it was on two different occasions but like who knows it could have been anything it could have been like a straw or something (laughs) if you're stealing a straw a pack of scissors (laughs) if you don't know what she was stealing school supplies something like off the wall (laughs) yeah i think it really does just depend on how much she actually stole Um, That would determine her consequence. But either way, I don't think that typically with shoplifting, it's not a major, major. It's not like a felony or anything like that. It's a misdemeanor. So, all right. So, what do you got for us? Okay, so my first one is something that I think a lot of gymnastics fans might remember because it happened relatively recently, like within the last couple of years. Happened in October of 2018, and. This involves an assistant coach and a gymnast at the University of Michigan getting involved in a sexual relationship with each other. So the assistant coach at the time was Scott Vettieri. For those of you that don't know, he's a former Michigan gymnast himself, actually. He's a 10-time All-American, and he was also a member of the 1999 National Championship winning team for Michigan Gymnastics. And then the female gymnast, I'm not going to say her name. It is public, like it's not a secret. You could Google this and figure it out within like 10 seconds probably. Um, I'm just choosing not to say her name. I know that she was an adult at the time, but I know that she was also, in my opinion, very young and with a coach-athlete relationship, there's a different kind of power dynamic at play and I just don't feel like I know enough about like Mm -hmm. the actual details of you know their relationship or anything like that to feel comfortable i guess saying her name and kind of putting air quotes her information out there yeah it's it's hard because she is still in a relationship with him today but i kind of see her as the victim in the situation which is is weird We'll we'll get into it in a second i guess let me explain what happened go ahead So back, like I said, in October of 2018, both Scott Viteri and the sophomore gymnast were arrested for having sex in a parking lot of an apartment complex near campus. So it was in Ann Arbor, it was relatively near campus from what I understand. Scott, like I said, assistant coach, he was 39 at the time and married with three kids. And the gymnast was only 18. She was 17 years old when she joined the team. So like I said, she was technically an adult at the time but in my opinion barely an adult Mm -hmm. and she had just she was going into her sophomore year yes and i don't know when her birthday is but yeah she's relatively very young to adult life yes so scott Fatiri and the gymnasts were charged with indecent or obscene conduct in public which is a misdemeanor and that carried a maximum sentence of 90 days in jail But instead of serving jail time, they both reached an agreement with prosecutors, making it a civil infraction, which is basically just a fine. And then the charges were, like, dropped or settled at that point. Mm -hmm. There's not really a whole lot of information on the gymnast and, like, what actually happened with her. A lot of it focuses on Scott because he was the coach, and he was kind of the reason why it was such a big deal. So there's a lot more information on, like, him and what actually happened to him. But he was suspended, Obviously, by the University of Michigan after the, his arrest. And then... Yeah, because that's a rule. Like, it's... It's a rule, yeah. <laughs> it's a rule that coaches cannot have sexual relations with their student-athletes. Which you think is, like, common sense. Super obvious. But, yeah. I mean, I, I guess maybe it's not. Maybe people don't care. I don't know. But, like I said, he was suspended. Um, and then he later resigned from his position. He cited, like, family issues and i'm like yeah you got some family issues sure. like, yeah you're about to have family no he, I'm, issues. I'm not doubting that he had family <laughs> issues i believe that he did but <laughs> like let's be real there's there's a lot more going on than just that but and then also he's banned from being rehired at u of m which is a smart move yes. so this all unfortunately was caught on camera so it there's like police body cam footage you can hear like both their voices talking to the police it's really really awkward and then unfortunately it made mainstream unfortunately for the university of michigan and also the gymnastics team and for both of them it made mainstream media it was on tmz and i remember sitting there thinking like what the hell is happening right now like what is this Mm -hmm. well especially with that being a team that like you and i follow so closely it was just weird seeing it blow up in the media (laughs) And not for a good reason. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh my God, please make it stop. (laughs) Like, we like to see Michigan in the news because they're the national champions, not because of stuff like this. Exactly. (laughs) But like we were saying in the beginning, I think that, you know, there's a power dynamic at play that you have to consider here with a coach and an athlete. And I didn't necessarily have... I mean, I think it's weird, but it's not necessarily super concerning as far as like the age difference goes. Like, you do typically see in some adult relationships... You know, one person is 10 years older than the other person. And with that, to me, it's just like to each their own. Like, I'm not going to judge someone for dating someone that's way older. Like, if that's what you want to do, then you do you. Right. That's not necessarily the problem. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that he was a coach and this was a current athlete on his team, regardless of her age and, you know, how young she was at the time. It's so really, really weird that a student athlete would engage in a sexual relationship with her coach. Yeah. And, I know that the athlete had a blog, which I believe is actually not up anymore. I just remember seeing it. Like, well, the blog might be up. I I don't know that, but it's not linked to her social media. media yeah it used to be linked and she used to like broadcast that she was writing a blog and now she doesn't do that and it's not there so I don't know what it was called by name so I can't look it up yeah but um but I know that she would post you know different like writings where she would talk about how she was really insecure growing up and didn't have a lot of confidence in herself which also concerns me a yeah. lot Considering, you know, how things played out. She talked about, like, walking through the halls at school and she always had her head down. She was always afraid of being made fun of. She had acne and she was just really self-conscious, which, totally relatable. Yeah. Like, totally understand that. But it makes me wonder, you know, so fresh out of high school, she comes to college, if she still had some of those same insecurities did he take advantage of that? Yes. That's my concern too. Yeah. And I mean, like we said before, they are still in a relationship, so it makes it hard to talk about because we're talking about it as if it's an issue and from the outside world it does appear to be an issue. I mean, between, it was an issue, but to I But them saying. it must not be because they've chosen to stay in a relationship together and they've chosen to go down this path together still. So it's just really interesting. Yeah. Um, we all have our thoughts about it. I think that that's okay um like you said i don't have a problem with the age so much it was the power dynamic between coach and athlete and then also you know from his perspective too like you're married you have three kids what are you doing yeah it definitely overall though was an uncomfortable situation for the rest of the team i remember feeling so bad for the team when this was happening and I know they were shocked by it as well yeah I think some of them maybe probably suspected it a little bit just being obviously around and in the gym and Mm -hmm. maybe started to pick up on some things that seemed a little bit odd or strange to them but then I think when it all came to a head the way that it did it really ended up being a big deal and I think it was hard for the team and like we said kind of being in the public eye and having the university and the gymnastics team being associated with that Mm -hmm. um It's really unfortunate for the team, and it's also really unfortunate just from a gymnastics perspective, because this would have been her senior year, and she actually had a one and a half. (laughs) <laughs> so, think about all those one-and-a-halves that Michigan had this season. She would have just been another one in that mix. <laughs> I know. Is that bad? That was one of my first thoughts when this all first happened. It was totally one of my first I thoughts. I was like, crap, that, there goes one of our one-and-a-halves. Because at the time that she was competing, well, I guess really only her freshman year, she was actually training a different 10-0 star value ball going into her sophomore year before everything blew up she was training the half on front pike but before that she did a one and a half and it was really really good and at that time michigan only had a couple i think they had olivia karras and then emma mcclain she could do a one and a half she sometimes did it sometimes didn't and i believe her with those two they were the only ones that had one and a half on vault at the yeah, time. I so think so, yeah. At that time, it was a big deal. We were like, we want all the one and a half we can get. I'm like, Girl, and then what this are you doing? happened. And I'm like, get Brenner in here, get Wojcicki in here, get Gabby Wilson in here, get Sierra Brooks in here. <laughs> and that they did. Um, and another ready, uh, uh, Champ. Yeah, everything turned out okay in the end. But in the moment, it was like the beat of sweat going on my face. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess to wrap this up, I'm glad that Scott Fatieri. Not only lost his job, he's also banned from doing anything with Michigan Athletics, the University of Michigan in general. I think that he should not be allowed to do anything with the University of Michigan. His reputation in that regard is completely tarnished. And I hope that the athlete is happy. I hope that she's, you know, moved on from this, hopefully learned something from it. I, I don't wish ill will on anybody because of things like this. We just don't know really fully what happened you know Mm -hmm. like i said with the coach athlete power dynamic you you kind of you know wonder about things and i don't want to speculate any farther beyond that but just saying that i hope that everybody has moved on from it has learned something from it and that they're all hopefully better because of it okay so this next one involves melanie sinclair which this one goes a little bit further back so if you're relatively new to the gymnastics world or to following college gymnastics this might be one that you're not familiar with so melanie was a five-time u.s national team member in like the early 2000s and she was also a standout gymnast at the university of florida she had three tens on bars she was just really really good for them and there was a really big plot twist (laughs) so she was arrested for storing stolen items that came from multiple different burglaries and the police actually found a safe in her apartment with nine guns so there were shotguns and rifles two computers and a flat screen tv all of which were stolen and the reason why the police found out about this was because the cops got a tip from somebody that there was people selling guns in this apartment complex So, the police showed up. This is like picture perfect. And not actually perfect, but like for the cops, this is picture perfect. So, they show up to the apartment complex from what I read. And they were like scoping out the area, trying to like see if they could see anything going on. Melanie Sinclair's boyfriend is carrying a loaded shotgun through the apartment complex as the police are there. So, welcome to America. (laughs) <laughs> what wait do we know what he was doing like was he carrying I'm it he was in... carrying it into their apartment okay i'm wondering does he just like patrol the hallways or like <laughs> <what>? <laughs> when i first read that that's what i was thinking too i was i'm trying to imagine like what he would have been doing like does he just walk back and forth with a like a shotgun like he's ready to go that's, that's what i was picturing that's what honestly. i envisioned too but i think realistically he was probably bringing a shotgun into his apartment and they saw him so obviously he was arrested <laughs> and the apartment got searched that's how they find all the stuff so how melanie gets involved is that he's in jail and he basically rats her out to the police saying that she knew that everything was stolen that you know she had been in there like in the safe playing with the guns and all that and this was all confirmed through a taped phone call from the jail so her boyfriend called her while he was in jail and told her to tell the police that you don't know anything about the guns like just say you don't know about it lie to him so he encouraged her to lie and obviously that pretty much is your proof right there that she knew if your boyfriend's calling you from jail saying like shit lie to him obviously she knew about it so she was obviously arrested because of that she got suspended from the team And this was happening back in October 2009. So she was heading into her senior year at Florida. She ended up being charged with grand larceny, firearms, unarmed burglary, and grand theft of more than $300. So the good news in this one is that I do believe she still got her degree at Florida, even though she didn't compete her senior year because of all this. She did end up graduating um, and she's seemed to turn her life around a little bit. She started working for Cirque du Soleil in 2011. and Oh, nice. Yeah, she just, she's married now, I believe. She has a kid, so she seems to have put that behind her. And, you know, it's hard sometimes with college kids, because sometimes you get in bad situations. You get involved with people that aren't doing good things. Yeah, um, young kids make mistakes. I mean, they do. Yes, yeah, and so it sounds like the guy she was dating at the time was, like, a known bad guy. Like, he had already a previous record for all kinds of stuff, so... Sounds like she kind of just got involved with... A bad situation. A bad person. And yeah, and, and obviously made some mistakes as well. But nice to see her turn it around and, you know, not let that define who she is as a person today. So that one had kind of a happy ending. Well, mine doesn't really have a happy ending. Great. <laughs> and this is one that, again, some of you might know because it's been brought up recently. But I think a lot of us, myself included didn't ever actually know that this happened until somewhat recently hey guys this is Brittany in editing and I kind of felt like I should put a trigger warning in front of this one I realized it after I said it but we do talk about gun violence and it's not anything super graphic but the situation does involve guns and unfortunately somebody dying because of a gun so, if that's something that may be triggering for you or you just don't want to hear, fast forward a couple minutes, maybe about five minutes, just to be safe, just so that way you don't have to hear it. I don't want anybody to be triggered in any way by anything that we said. So, just wanted to provide a warning for you guys. It involves three college gymnasts at NC State back in 1998. We're <laughs> so, going way back. Yes. So, I think one of these names you're for sure going to recognize. See if you can spot it. So there was three gymnasts, Rebecca Gager, I think. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She was 21 at the time. Jennifer Summer, age 20, and Maggie Haney, also age 20, Hmm. hosted a party that ended in a fatal shooting. So all three gymnasts were initially charged with selling alcohol to minors at this party. However... I guess when everything was said and done, they ended up not being prosecuted as long as they stayed out of trouble with the law for six months. So that was like basically what their agreement was. They basically had to stay out of trouble for the next six months and they wouldn't be charged. All three gymnasts were suspended from the team for a period of time. This is where a lot of the details aren't super clear. Again, like I said, the year was 1998, so I'm assuming the suspension happened during that year, but Maggie returned to the team for the the following years and i couldn't find any information on the other two girls so i'm assuming that if maggie's suspension was only a brief period of time like it didn't cause any of these girls to be kicked off of the team mm-hmm. which is kind of surprising to me like like highly surprising to eh, me you would be surprised but i guess real quickly I, sh- I should probably backtrack and give you more details of like what actually happened that night so there was a young guy his name was neil davis jr he was a student at nc state and he lived across the street from the gymnast. So I guess this party was held at the gymnast's house. So Maggie, Rebecca, and Jennifer. I don't know a whole lot about this. I'm super intrigued right now. <laughs> I know what happened, but I don't know a lot of you the don't details. know the details yeah So like I said, he lived across the street, and the way that he actually died was with his own handgun. He allegedly was shooting He. Fired shots across the street at the house that the party was being held at. Was, so I guess was uh, he mad because he couldn't get into the party? He would no, he was mad because somebody at the party kicked his dog. Mm. That's what the news articles say. That somebody kicked his dog. He went upstairs in his house, was mad about it. He pulled out his gun and he fired a shot at the front door. And I guess the bullet hit the arms of one of the people that was inside the party, one of the guys. So then at that point three guys so there was an nc state football player two wrestlers then also a former wrestler went across the street broke into the guy's house assaulted him and then in the midst of all of that the gun must have just been like fumbling around like i don't know if they were trying to pull the gun from him but somewhere along the line he fired the gun into his own chest Mmm. So, that's where I think things got a little bit tricky, was it because it's not like one of the guys picked up the gun and pointed it at him and, like, shot him. They were, like, almost, like, fighting with each other. And in the midst of that, the gun went off and killed basically them. killed him. Yeah. Not basically. I was going to say, well, clarify, did he, did he die, like, on the scene? Do you know? or I don't know. I'm assuming. Okay. Like, but they he did they said that he shot himself in the chest okay that is so wild so i wanted to know what ended up happening with these guys so the guy that was a college wrestler his name was Clyde blind he was 20 like i said at the time or did i not say that i said it at the, for the gymnast they yeah. were all basically around the age of 20 they were all underage drinking <laughs> um he was charged with involuntary manslaughter but ultimately received no jail time and had to do 30 months of supervised probation and community service 100 hours of his community service had to be spent talking to school children about the dangers of gun violence and alcohol he was also ordered to pay more than $13,000 in restitution to the victim's family. Okay. So that's what his punishment was. There was also the football player. His name is Willie Wright. He was 19. He was charged with larceny of a firearm, later acquitted of the felony, and received three years probation and 225 hours of community service. In addition, he had to pay a $500 fine and a share of the $13,000 in restitution to the family. Then, there's, in one of the articles, a man named Christopher Green, and it said 30... Like, his age is 30. And I'm, like, I couldn't find anything on this guy. He, so, this article said that he was charged with breaking and entering. So, he was at the party. He was 30. And I'm over here, like, maybe the biggest concern is why a 30-year-old is hanging out with a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds at a college party. That's just a side concern. <laughs> but we won't talk about that. Um, uh, maybe, maybe it was a typo. <laughs> or Maybe he, it could have been a typo. Or maybe he was, like, the one, like supervising the party he's like like the chaperone yeah like real quickly (laughs) side story Brittany and I, Mm -hmm. senior year of high school we had a what do you call it like a oh it was like a it was like like a a party for the end of like for us graduating yeah what was it called senior camp out yeah that's what it was called and one of the girls we went to school with her mom was there and she was like standing by like the gates whole night well she would occasionally like roam like the barns obviously we're outside so there's people outside there's a barn and she was like roaming around just like kind of like scoping everyone out and like seeing like i don't know what her purpose was but she also stood by the door and like was trying to like man the gates and like control who could leave and stuff well because what did she end up doing now we're going off telling stories but our previous party life just kidding um but she was basically saying that at like midnight or whatever time it was i don't remember that if you weren't staying the night like if you weren't sleeping on the campgrounds or whatever you had to leave And so we were, like, we're leaving, like, we're not staying here. And then everybody that was leaving had to say the alphabet backwards in order to be let out. And we're like, dude, we can't say that to begin with. And we weren't (laughs) drinking, by the way. Like, she was trying to prevent people from drinking and driving, which totally respect, and I get that. But, like, we weren't drinking, like... Yeah, well, we really weren't. At least you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> really and I, I was able to do it, but I was struggling just because I feel like that is hard. Yeah. <laughs> she ended up letting us go, in case you were wondering. But, anyways, this is completely irrelevant and you're probably not wanting to hear. All right. My point with bringing that up was that when you say the 30 year old guy, it's either a typo or maybe he's like taking on that role at this party. Like, maybe he's the guy that's trying to keep things like civil. Well, and, like, he did it didn't work. Well, he did a good job because you got charged with breaking an entry. So. <laughs> that backfire? I have no Good idea. Good one, th- Bob. I'm, it's Christopher. <laughs> it's Christopher Green. Get it right. Good one, Christopher. Um, I'm thinking maybe it was just a typo. I'm really hoping that it was a typo. I'm hoping that he was 20 and not 30. That would make a lot more sense. But anyways, I wish I had more to tell you about him, but I couldn't find anything on him. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. So <laughs> in the end, there was no severe charges that really came from this for... Maggie Haney, her teammates, or really any of the guys involved, but like I said before, it's not really clear—at least from the research that I did—how long Maggie and her teammates were suspended from the team for. Because Maggie was on the team from 1997 to 2000, and when you read like her like information on their website, it says she helped the team to four NCAA regional appearances and was a part of NC State's only squad to advance to the championships. So that tells me that she was in postseason at least for all four years of her college career. Um, and maybe I just didn't dig hard enough. But but it's hard to find stuff. It's on hard her. because of the years 1997 to yeah. 2000. Like the internet wasn't really a thing back then. Well, I mean, it was, but like barely. Yeah, I had tried to find stuff, anything about her as a gymnast. Like I know she got like perfect 10s and she was like the only one or, or the first one at least in their program history to get 10s. Well, yes, I was going to say that. So. Um, when I googled like Maggie Haney, NC State, one of the first things that came up was a little like article back in 2016 um, that NC State gymnastics posted. It says former Pac gymnast Maggie Haney coaches pupil to gold medal, and in there they touted her as one of the greatest gymnasts in program history for being one of three gymnasts to ever receive two perfect tens. So, I guess my point in bringing that up is that I think the program, despite her involvement in this crime, and ultimately the death of a student at NC State, they still view her as, like, one of their, like... Legends. Yeah, like, greatest of all time in the program. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. Yeah, an interesting move. Okay, so this next one kind of has two parts. So, I'm gonna... Start to explain it i'm probably going to deviate for a hot second and then i'll come back to what i was originally talking about (laughs) are we all over the place in this episode because i kind of feel like we are kind of but i I feel like our brain is like (laughs) you guys know that (laughs) tic (laughs) tac with a person drawing the lines and they're like trying to make a straight line and it's just going all over the place that's us kind of us but sorry anyways morgan porter she was a gymnast at missouri actually during the time this all happened was one of the best gymnasts on the team if not the best gymnast she was sec freshman of the year she qualified as an individual in the all-around to the ncaa championships and she was going into her sophomore season when this happened so the story is that she got arrested for fraudulent use of a credit or debit card And it was actually her fellow teammate and roommate, Story Iziger, who is the victim here. She told police that sometime between August 2015 and May 2016, that Morgan stole her bank account information and used it to pay rent. Now, to me, the real kicker in this whole story is the punishment or maybe lack of punishment for who deserved the punishment. Story said that she felt pressured to leave the team by Shannon Walker, who is the head coach. And it's interesting whatever's going on over there at Missouri, at least during this time, because there was a lot of gymnasts leaving the team. From twenty fourteen to twenty seventeen, there was eight gymnasts that left before their eligibility was up. Which is a lot. That's a lot. That's Yeah, more than I've seen from any other team. Definitely cause for concern, I would say. And there have been a lot of stories in the media about Shannon Welker and his past gym that's coming forward saying that, you know, they had an eating disorder or he would push them to compete while injured. And one of the bigger names on the team that actually left her senior year was Rachel Updike. She says that she was forced to sign a contract promising Shannon that she was going to compete Three events throughout the season, and then four by the time postseason rolled around. And I actually have a comment that she posted on the College Domestics Facebook group. It's called College Gym Fans Are Here, if you're not a part of it. There's always good stuff going on in that group. Lots of drama in that group. (laughs) She posted this, because first of all, this was in the news at some point, and now I can't find the original story. So not quite sure what happened with that. That's sus. Kind of. But this was a comment that she posted in response to somebody else, From a year ago. So this is basically her side, her interpretation of what happened. It's coming from comments that she made on a, I don't want to say public group, it's a private Facebook group, but she posted these comments on her own account in this group. Yes. So there's two comments. The first one says, My contract stated that I had to guarantee Welker three out of four events all season and what's SECs and regionals, etc., came around. I had to guarantee him all four events. Have you ever heard of an individual athlete getting a contract to sign, guaranteeing the coach a certain amount of events they have to compete in? The answer to that question is no. I've never heard no. that. In response to somebody else, she said, This contract wasn't about training or going to classes. This was about guaranteeing him that I would be in three to four events every meet. This was after I had a possible career-ending bunion surgery the year before, but I'm selfless and I wanted to help my team out, so I pushed myself to come back and be in the lineups. It got to the point where I wouldn't even train during the week. I would take one warm-up turn at the meet and then compete. Which is super dangerous. Yeah. Salute the judges and run back to the tunnel and bawl my eyes out because I was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. I did that for my team, not for Shannon. So maybe that was my mistake. Maybe that's why he expected me to do all, do it all over again for another season. And for Shannon, according to my new contract he made one month before my senior season, he wanted me to go on three or four events or none. So basically it was, you do what I say or you lose your scholarship. Yep. Yep. And once again, power dynamic with coaches, we were talking about that earlier, this kind of just goes to show it, how a coach can really hold anything over your head and dangle it in front of you like a freaking carrot and a, a rabbit. And control you. Yeah, absolutely. And she ended up deciding that she wanted to transfer. She was asking for permission to contact Auburn, University of Iowa, Kentucky, and Southeast Missouri State. And what ended up happening is universities or coaches, I'm not exactly sure who is the one that makes the decision, but from what I was hearing, it sounded like Shannon himself had the ability to prevent her from contacting other schools. And this isn't even about like making the switch. This is just straight up trying to contact another school to see if there's an opening for her. Right. And he put restrictions in place that prevented her from transferring to any other school in the state of Missouri. Or any other school that is considered to be in the Division One football bowl subdivision. Which is basically any university that has a football team. Which is... A.K.A. any... Anyway. Any university that has a gymnastics team probably has a football team. Yes. And this letter was actually posted in that same thread that I read those comments from Rachel in that Facebook group. If you want to actually read the letter, but th- there's proof, basically. There's a letter. It says, To Rachel Updike sent via email, and it says, Dear Rachel, the University of Missouri has received your request to grant permission to contact all the schools I already said. This letter is to inform you that your request for permission to contact the above-named institutions has been denied. Please note that permission to contact has been denied for all Division I football, bowl, subdivision institutions, and all Missouri institutions that sponsor women's gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And it's a common thing for this not be able to transfer the following year to certain schools. like Within the conference. Within the conference. That's always been a thing. But um, it does kind of seem that Shannon was purposely trying to end her gymnastics career. Yeah. It's a little bit evil. Yeah. It's, it's, it's punishment because you didn't do what I told you to do. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because he and the media, when asked about why Rachel laughed, and this story still exists, I'll link it below if you want to see it, um, he's basically playing the I don't know what happened card. It must have been personal reasons. Like, this was her decision. And kind of turns out that it wasn't necessarily fully her decision. Sure, she was wanting to transfer, but can you blame her? Right. You're basically forcing her to compete when she's severely injured. Yes. Anyways, I'm circling back now to Morgan Porter and Story, because... I I wanted to mention that because there is a history at Missouri with gymnasts having problems with Shannon Welker. Yeah, or just, like, shady stuff going on. And when it comes to this, things weren't handled properly, in my opinion, because Story was told by Shannon Welker that he wanted to handle it internally. We've heard that before. Yeah, I was just about to say that. (laughs) And... He then told her, and this is, of course, all in the news, that like these are things that she said, and it's all documented. So stories story said that Shannon told her then that he would never let her compete. She was never, ever going to compete. And if she wanted to do college gymnastics, it wasn't going to be in Missouri. Meanwhile, Morgan Porter, the one that kind of started the mess between those two, is suspended for one meet. I remember that. She gets suspended one meet, the very first meet of the season, and then basically she's allowed to continue on after that. When you think about Shannon and the way he handled that situation, it kind of seems like he was picking and choosing between them because obviously Morgan is the star of the team. She's way more valuable to the team. And Story wasn't as active in the lineups and bringing in the big scores and all that. So it kind of feels like... Either...
1: Somebody he, had to be let go. Yes.
0: Some, there, was, there was there was a rift between the two girls on the team. Somebody needs to go. So is it your best girl on the team? Or is it the walk-on that doesn't compete? Yeah. Again, power of coaches. Mm-hmm. Gonna keep saying it. that, or it's possible that he was pissed off because he told Story that he wanted to handle it internally and she didn't. She pressed charges against one of the... T- girls on the team either way a little bit unfair i would say and another girl that seemed to be pushed off of the team because of shannon wilker yeah in regards to morgan she ended up pleading guilty she got two years probation 40 hours of community service and isn't allowed to have contact with story and then my favorite part of all this is that once morgan retired so We'll start by saying that there are a lot of people that support Morgan. There's a lot of Missouri gymnasts that are currently on the team that support Shannon Walker. And it kind of reminds me of the Alabama situation, which I think we're going to get into here in a moment. Mm-hmm. But with Tia Kiaku and racism with the coaches at Alabama, it's like you can have someone do something bad And recognize that and then also still have a good experience, but like you can recognize the bad experience too of other people. Yeah. Like it's not it's not black or white. It's not you're lying, Shannon Walker is amazing just because you've had an amazing experience. I think there's a little bit of that going on with this situation. Typically that happens, I think, especially with team environments, like you want to protect your teammates, you want to protect your coaches, you want to protect your, you know, quote-unquote family, and I, I think it can be hard to see, you know, things like this unraveling, and your team is getting bad press, uh, the star of your team is kind of getting, like, her name dragged through the mud. Yeah, this massive shade from people in the Jurassics community, and, you know, whoever's watching the news or reading the news And I think it's a lot of people's natural instinct to protect people Mm -hmm. that they know or protect people that they care about. But even sometimes just like knowing somebody. We've seen this frequently um, where you just feel like like, I knew this person or, you know, I was on a team with them for this year or whatever. We're good friends. It's a family member. Whatever the situation might be. I have to like stand up for this person. Mm -hmm. They feel compelled to do that. Yes. Anyways, Morgan was kind of teasing and as well some of her teammates were teasing the fact that she she you guys don't know the full story like just you wait like the full side of the story is coming so we're like cool we're gonna wait for it so Morgan graduates right we finally got Morgan's side of the story she puts this big statement on Twitter and ends up just being a whole lot of nothing because All she talks about is, you know, all the horrible things that people have said to her, that people have been saying about her, how this has impacted her, and just all over something that I didn't do. So we really don't ever actually get her quote-unquote side of the story. It's just her saying she's not guilty. And also, she doesn't doesn't acknowledge at all that she pled guilty. So my thing is, is, she either has a really shitty attorney who told her to plead guilty when she wasn't, which, why would they do that? Or, that means that they have, the prosecutor must have had enough evidence that the defense attorney knew that Morgan was basically going to get hit with that. So she said, hey, you might as well plead guilty. That's right. That you. would make the most sense, yep. logically. Um, but Morgan doesn't ever acknowledge that she pled guilty. It's just basically, I didn't do this, and my life has been ruined because of this. That was basically her side of the story, so thanks for sharing. Hold on, let me grab my violin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Ashley in editing. Just wanted to clarify, what I'm talking about here was Morgan's original statement that she put out on Twitter. She did end up coming back to clarify a couple things once people in the gym internet were asking her about why did you plead guilty and stuff like that. So she basically ended up answering a couple people's questions on Twitter and it stands by the fact that she was innocent, that she didn't know how stories information got on her computer when she was paying rent, and basically just said that her attorney told her to plead guilty because there wasn't enough evidence to show that she was not guilty. So that's her story, that's what she's standing by, and that was not in her original statement, so I just want to make that clear because a lot of what I was just talking about was what she originally posted, which basically was a whole lot of nothing. So you kind of just mentioned a minute ago what my next one was and that is something that we've talked about before on this podcast actually quite a bit. We had a whole interview with Tia Kiaku on our podcast. She talked about her experience with racism at the University of Alabama. So a little bit of background about Tia, she competed for Ball State back in 2018, and then she came to Bama in 2019, was a sophomore on the team, competed that season with the team, and then she withdrew from Bama in February of 2020, which was during the season. So kind of right smack dab in the middle of season, she was trying to get out of there, and eventually came forward with her story and you know some of the things she experienced while she was at alabama with the current coaching staff and a lot of the girls who are still currently on the team so yep you're 2021 sec champions yep so tia said that she experienced racist remarks such as the back of the bus joke that joke and air quotes i'm not saying it's a joke but belleron says it was it's a apparently joke. a joke yep Um, that he made to her and two other black gymnasts on the team. There were white gymnasts on the team who would frequently use the N-word or just like little microaggressions such as telling Tia that they're tired of hearing her rap music, things like that. Tia also said that when head coach Dana Duckworth showed her the decorated history of black athletes in Alabama gymnastics history, that she mentioned that one – was not really Black, and she wasn't really raised Black, and that was in reference to Asia Sims, who was a volunteer assistant coach on the team at the time, and she was a part of the program from 2014 to 2017, and was a very successful athlete at the University of Alabama. So Tia said that when she filed a Title IX complaint, she felt like she was being ostracized by her teammates and also the coaches. She would pass by, you know, Bill Lorenz on campus and he would walk by her like he didn't know who she was, like she wasn't a member of the team. At one point, Dana called Tia's mother to tell her that Tia had been sleeping around and questioned if it was because she didn't have a father figure in her life growing up, which is super, super inappropriate Mm -hmm. and totally overstepping a boundary. And what does that have to do with people making racist remarks? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, she's pissed. Dana's pissed that this is happening and everything's kind of coming to a head. And now she's going to retaliate. And uh, don't forget, also, when this all came out, Dana Duckworth was the one that said, I should be focused on winning a championship and not this. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's a testament to how much Dana Duckworth cared. And so going into the 2020 season... Tia had intentions of staying on the team and mending her relationship with her teammates. Like, she wanted to kind of just, like, put this in the past, like, whatever. Like, I just want to continue on. That was in the beginning of 2020. But says that a meeting that was set up in early January between two other black gymnasts on the team, and this is listed in the article linked below with Sports Illustrated, that it was Makari Duggat and Sonia Mitchell. Um, They just, at that time, had finished up their freshman seasons, and it was that meeting with Tia that she said she felt like she ultimately decided that she just wanted to be done with the team. Yeah, because they made her feel like she was the problem. Yeah, so she said, and this is a quote from the article, In that meeting with the two other African American girls, Makari made it very vocal that if I came back, I would be a distraction, Kiyaku said. She stated that, this is from Makari. why do you even want to come back? And that the team had already moved forward. I was still technically on the team at that point and it made me feel like I was not welcome anymore. And there was even comments in our interview. She was telling us about how they do their Ghost and Goblins in her squad in like October. And Dana Duckworth like invited her to it as if like, we're doing this if you want to come. Like, yeah, you're allowed to come. But she's, but on, she's the on the team. Like She should be... It's Not even being, have to be invited because she's on the team. Yeah, like, wouldn't the, it be expected that she would be exactly. there? Exactly. It's the expectation that she would be there. So the fact that you're inviting her kind of sends the message to me. Like, if I was Tia, I would be thinking, like, they're inviting me as if, like, they're obligated like, to invite like, me. Like, it's fine if you come. Like, you, you can come. Well, basically, she said something along the lines of, like, Dana was like, you're busy with school or whatever. It was basically, like, making an excuse for her so she didn't feel like she had to show up because, what, they didn't want her there? Yeah. So backwards. So basically the aftermath of this, what ended up happening, it- Bill Lorenz issued a really crappy apology. In it, he said that it was his comment, the back of the bus comment, was just meant as a lighthearted joke. And that was basically all he said. Dana released a statement on Twitter when all of this was being brought to light. I'll go ahead and read her a little statement here. She said, I feel like throughout this experience, we have all learned and are continuing to learn together. As the head coach, I am ultimately responsible for this program. There was a report made, and while I cannot get into the specifics of that, I can say it resulted in many discussions, conversations, and training which also resulted in increased awareness as well as personal growth for me professionally and personally didn't directly acknowledge ti didn't apologize for what was said just basically said vaguely that she had learned from this this was good for her personally professionally and the team is going to be better because of this And Tia said that she had never gotten an apology from anyone, whether it was Dana, Bill, like she was never apologized to. And even some of her teammates, she had teammates posting things on social media, making comments. Um, They were taking to social media to gaslight Tia and minimize her experience by basically letting everyone know that there were two sides to the story and that tia wasn't telling the truth because she had removed herself from the team and didn't attend any team events that was what mccarr said in her statement she was basically saying that tia removed herself from the team so she didn't really like know how it was being handled like she can't possibly be telling the truth of what the aftermath was because she wasn't even there and louisa blanco was also saying the same thing there's two sides to the story Oh, but and... Louisa wasn't even on the team when all this was happening. So want to talk about two sides of the story. But what do you know? All you're hearing is, is one side, side of the story. Yep, exactly. Because you weren't there. And we've talked about this a lot. We literally have a whole episode dedicated to Tia and this. And we've mentioned it here and there. You know, sometimes when Bama gets brought up, we've, we'll bring this up. Because I think it's super important to keep talking about it. Because nothing really came of it. Dana Duckworth is still the head coach. Bill Lorenz is still there as the assistant coach. The girls who were on the team that Tia had named are still there. So, like, it feels like there was really no resolution. It was just kind of shoved under the rug, and they're, like, moving on and just wanting to focus on winning, which is what Dana literally said to Tia anyways, so... Yeah, that, that's a tough one. That's, that's a tough one for me. I get really passionate when I talk about it. I get very upset, and it kind of just re-refreshes for me why I don't support Alabama gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And in doing research for this, I was finding so many things that I knew had happened, but I forgot about. And there's so many cases of racism on, on college gymnastics teams involving coaches. Yeah. It's sickening. Well, and not just the coaches, but also the athletes. Like Tia said that girls on the team would use the N-word and just say, you know, things to her, like little side comments and microaggressions and all of that. And yeah, it's super frustrating. I'm still frustrated for Tia because she would still be on the team today if, if this hadn't happened. So it's a shame that her gymnastics career had to end early. And it's even bigger of a shame that Dana Duckworth and Bill Lorenz were not held accountable and they're still a part of that team. Yeah, they basically just got a slap on the wrist. Yeah, pretty much. Super, super frustrating. And I'm never going to stop talking about this. Neither will I. And honestly, I think that we should all keep talking about it. Like, what's well, it's not... Until everyone that was a part of that team is gone, I think we should still keep talking about it. So we're going to. That's what I plan to do. Moving on to the next one. This one is just titled Nebraska. And drama. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it. So... I feel like i don't remember any of this i do like it's somewhere in my brain but i'm excited for you to detail this because i feel like i'm gonna be like re-surprised so in april 2020 the nebraska gymnastics team was put on two years probation and were fined for breaking ncaa rules under then head coach dan kendig Dan actually retired in October of 2018. It was really sudden, kind of felt like it was coming out of nowhere. And in the, not in the midst of a season, but in the midst of a preseason, they're gearing up for the upcoming 2019 season. Dan just out of nowhere retired, which was a little bit of a red flag. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And that was kind of the start of it all, it seemed like. So what ended up happening was... The program had exceeded the number of allowable paid coaching positions. Obviously, we pretty much all know that there's only a certain number of positions on each college masters team that are paid. Otherwise, you're a volunteer. So a lot of the times you see a volunteer assistant coach, you'll see a volunteer choreographer, whatever it might be. You see people working in volunteer positions because there's not a position available that's paid on the team. Yes. So... Dan, Kendig, arranged for a former volunteer assistant coach to be compensated for what they did with the floor choreography. So what ended up happening was they received $300 from each gymnast for doing their floor routine and an undisclosed amount of money from the university for floor music. And then Kendig requested that the checks be written in someone else's name so that way it couldn't be detected. Because if the check was going... So say you're the volunteer within the program. If there's checks being made out to you, that's a red flag. But right. If they make them out to some other random Joe Schmo off the street, are they really going to question it? Like, you know what I mean? They probably think it's for something valid. This hmm so shady. It is. <laughs> and also for the record, the coach was originally an outside consultant that they used for floor and stuff back in 2011. And then they took a volunteer position at Kendeg's request from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen. Okay. So they'll background on that. So the program is still on probation. They're on probation until April twenty twenty. So basically the end of next season. Twenty 2020. twenty. Sorry, twenty twenty two. Okay, I'm like honey, twenty twenty already <laughs> passed. <laughs> April twenty twenty two, they're on probation still. So end of next season is when their probation ends. The university was also fined $5,000 plus 1% of the gymnastics budget, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking like, what, probably like half a million? I didn't look up to see what the budget is for Nebraska, but usually sport budgets are pretty high. Yeah, they're, you know, half a million, could be up to a million. So 1% of that is, you know, a decent amount. Kendig and the former volunteer assistant coach also face restrictions if they're employed by another NCAA school. So, Do we know what those are? No, I couldn't find anything on it. But I take It's probably it, not public college. I take that to mean that they're not allowed to be in a paid position at another NCAA school. That's kind of how I took it. Right, which is fair. <laughs> so then enter Heather Brink. She was the assistant coach. She steps into the head coach position and there have just been issues in that program starting with dan kendag and kind of even carrying through until now a lot of girls that have left the program and have said not great things about it you know we heard we just talked about racism we heard from ashley lambert she had a story about her experience with racism at nebraska that involved dan kendag and others on the team cameron moore has talked about how the coaches didn't care about her eating disorder and stuff like that. There's been others too that have come forward and it's just been a mess in Nebraska ever since. It seems like a lot of girls are changing their commitments. They've had girls transfer mm-hmm. and there really isn't like a clear cut reason why. It may stem from the whole suspension thing. It may be something to do with the coaching staff. We're not quite sure all those details. Yeah. But Addie DeJesus was one of the big names to transfer. She transferred to Iowa State after her sophomore season in 2020. Again, don't really have a clear reason why she was dismissed. That might be something more when she is done with gymnastics. Yeah, She's going into her senior season, so maybe we'll find out more then. So what was said was that she was dismissed for violating team rules, and that was about all we got. Um, Really would like to hear from her when her career is over. She seems to have some stuff that she wants to say just based off of her Twitter. And, and she's hinted at it. Yeah. Like she's literally said, like just wait. <laughs> but I also think that there's definitely been some information that has been kept under wrap. So I'm really, I'm interested to hear her side of the story. Abby Johnston was another one from that same class she transferred to Arkansas after her sophomore season in 2020. Megan Thompson transferred to Arizona state after her freshman season in 2019 and then Kaylee Quinn, I don't think a lot of people realize that, she was actually committed to Nebraska, but now she's at Bama. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, in recent years, the program has not been doing well. There's a couple other girls on the team that I don't want to say publicly because I'm not sure what's going on, but I, there's another girl, one in particular, that I noticed has not been competing And I have suspicions that she's retired, but I also can't confirm that, so I'm not going to say it publicly. But it just things have not been going well in Nebraska, the best way to put it. Okay, so we have one more scandal for you all. And this one is about the college admissions scandal. This is kind of a general thing, but also kind of a UCLA thing. So for those of you that don't know, if you don't live in the United States or maybe you just don't pay attention and look into these things – There's a man named William Singer. I I think he also goes by Rick. I'm not 100% sure, but if any of that rings a bell to you. He's basically the mastermind behind the nationwide college admission scandal that included a bunch of different universities, top universities like UCLA, Yale, Stanford, a couple other ones, big, big universities that are typically pretty hard to get into. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know more, I guess, about in general terms, how this all happened and like... of what went into it you can watch operation varsity blue it's a documentary on netflix we started to watch it and it explains a lot in there so basically the gist of it is when wealthy parents or people who have connections to schools pay or bribe the university in some way or someone even if it's not just the university it's somebody like a coach or you know somebody who has a connection They bribe or pay to get their child to be admitted to the university under the guise of being an athlete when they're not actually an athlete. And that's where that singer guy that I mentioned comes in because he would help to stage like photo shoots and make it more believable to the outside world that this person is like, A baseball player, a golf player, a swimmer. Like, in this documentary on Netflix that Brittany just mentioned, we started watching it, and they show, like, this guy photoshopping, like, a (laughs) swimmer, and making it look so realistic. Like, you would think that he's, like, an Olympic swimmer. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And literally, he's just out in his pool. And he just has rich parents. Yeah. So, although there's been no actual proof or, like, legal action taken against ucla in terms of like the college the women's college gymnastics team ucla as a whole has dealt with the college admission scandal so again sus but a lot of gymnastics fans kind of were poking fun at this and it's kind of been like a joke about ucla that they always seem to have people on the team that are competitive or we don't know who they are um the most popular one is maria Claire. She joined the team in 2016 alongside the likes of Kyla Ross, Madison Koshin, basically one of the greatest, you could say arguably one of the greatest classes ever in college gymnastics history. Like yeah. a very competitive class, a very competitive UCLA gymnastics team that would go on to win a national title. And again, UCLA being a school that's already academically pretty hard to get pretty into. Pretty prestigious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Enter Maria Claire, who has... The team champion of the world. <laughs> yes. She has no record, like, competitive record whatsoever. Like, typically, even if you're not a super high-level gymnast, like, a level 10, say, like... You could be a level nine gymnast and walk on to the CLA gymnastics team, but there should be some track record of you being a gymnast. You look at my meat scores or Chalk Warrior, like all these different sites. Or that even keep just track. YouTube, like nowadays, or even Instagram. Like nowadays, there's so many gymnasts that are a little bit lower level that are trying to get recruited, and they're posting video updates constantly. There has to be something out there of this girl doing gymnastics. Or even maybe on her Instagram page. So maybe she wasn't like the super like top level great gymnast but you would think that if gymnastics was her whole life and she's going to UCLA that she would have some trace of being a gymnast on her Instagram. Well exactly that's what I'm saying I follow or have seen so many gymnasts that are lower level and they have a gymnastics Instagram account so they have like their personal and then they have one dedicated to just gymnastics and they're constantly taking coaches and universities and they're trying to get noticed they can get recruited last minute. Yes. Because they're a lower level athlete. But regardless I would still feel like there needs to be more than some sort of proof outside of just a photo because pictures can obviously be photoshop again i'm talking videos if you're how did you get recruited if if there's no trace of you there's no scores nothing there's literally no trace of you being a gymnast whatsoever Yeah, that's fishy so in her bio ucla has her listed as being a past member of club champion gymnastics in california but according to an la times article which again linked in the bio they talked to top gymnasts who trained at that gym at the same time that she would have been at that gym. Like, if if you look at the timeline of when she entered college, like these athletes who were actually legitimately training at this gym said that they have no idea who she is, and there's no record of her participating in a meet with that club. Where things get really, really fishy is that her uncle was a close friend of Vel. So they apparently owned a condo together in the late 90s, so they were, like, buddy-buddy. And I think Val mentioned this guy in her book and how he was a really close friend of hers. By the way, when you're saying Val, you're talking about Valerie Condosfield, the former head coach of UCLA. Yes. I mean, people know. Most people probably know that, but we also don't want to assume. There might be someone out there that doesn't follow college gymnastics that closely. Yes. Okay, so thank you. Valerie Condosfield, former head coach of UCLA. Otherwise known as Val. Yes, Miss Vale is what she was commonly known as in the gymnastics world. But Vale said that her friendship with Maria Claire's uncle had nothing to do with her recruitment. And, you know, she had great character, work ethic, and potential on vault. And that's why she was recruited to UCLA. I would just love to see proof of that potential on ball. I don't know if that's too much to ask for, but Maria Claire never competed for UCLA because of medical issues. Or the, or the fact that she can't do gymnastics. <laughs> but she was a team manager, which is typically the kind of role we see these people in because they can't actually do the sport. And this doesn't just apply to gymnastics. This The college admission scandal is actually in regards to other sports, but... As far as I know, there hasn't been any like gymnastics instances of it, and I believe that we would know because it would be a huge deal on the gym tonight. So, there has been at least 18 students admitted as athletic recruits around the same time, and that is from the LA Times reviewing UCLA's like records and also interviewing people. That there was 18 students that were admitted as athletes into UCLA falsely and so there's actually one other incident of this type of thing happening at UCLA in regards to the gymnastics team and it actually involves somebody who wasn't on the gymnastics team but was a student manager Some of you may know Corey Tomlinson. He kind of gets brought into this a little bit here because back in 2014 in UCLA's student newspaper, Val was quoted as saying that she suggested UCLA's golf coach add the son of former Bruins gymnastics coach Jerry Tomlinson. So he was the former head coach of UCLA gymnastics. He was the man that hired Miss Val. Back in 1983. And that's Corey Tomlinson's dad. Yes. Yeah. And so Corey was on the UCLA golf roster. I almost said gymnastics. (laughs) Might as well be. (laughs) He was on the UCLA golf roster from 2010 to 2011. So just one school year, it looks like. And there's no- Just enough to get him in. Exactly. There's no record of him playing whatsoever on the team. And then Joel Wittenberg, which is the golf coach at the high school that Corey Tomlinson attended before going to UCLA, he told The Times that he had never heard of him and that Corey had like no history of playing on a team in high school. Like, so prior to UCLA, there was no track record of mm-hmm. him doing golf but like i said he ended up being the ucla gymnastics manager from 2010 to 2014 so the duration of his time as a student at ucla there's a little bit too many things that just make sense there like there's too many dots being connected for that just to be a coincidence it, it does seem fishy like you have to admit that and that's not to accuse anyone of anything or. It's Come a- out and say that, you know, oh, Corey Tomlinson was a part of the UCLA Admission Scandal. Like, there is no actual proof of that. Right. These we're, we're not just, trying to accuse him of that. Yeah. It these just are just fishy. little things that sound weird and that have been documented. And a lot of this information, like we've said a million times in this episode, will have linked below in the article that we're getting this from. So you can mm-hmm. kind of see, like, where... You know, where we're getting this, what we're reading. A little bit more context, maybe. Yes. Or if you want to look these things up on your own, you can easily just Google it. And there's some some of these have more than one story about it because it was a big thing in the news. So feel free to look it up on your own as well if you want more information. But that's all I had as far as incidentally like controversies. Was that all you had? Yep. That's that's the end of the controversies this at least a- for this episode. There's definitely more. We've said that already. But there's definitely we could do a whole other episode on these. Yeah, and I was a little bit like low-key stressed about this episode. I <laughs> I think it's hard to talk about controversial things and you know, I don't want to make somebody feel bad I don't want to bring up past issues Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to restart drama when people have already moved on from things that was kind of my hesitancy with doing this episode but of course it was commissioned and I do feel like there's a way to talk about these things and stick to the facts and you know I guess kind of be classy about it without getting too deep into drama speculation accusing people of things and I think it was fun it's fun to go back even just for myself like I knew a lot of these things happened but over time you just forget the details of it because more shit just happens yeah more (laughs) more stuff happens then also you just don't sit there and think about it every day like I don't think about Melanie Sinclair being arrested every (laughs) single night when I fall asleep you know (laughs) what I mean like you just forget and then to look everything up again and take my notes I'm like whoa like this happened that happened it was kind of fun i have to admit i had fun researching for this one so thank you to stephanie s for commissioning this episode and want to give a quick reminder to all of our gold level patreon supporters you are able once a month to commission a topic for us to talk about and we've only had one so far so don't be shy if there's something that you want us to talk about please send us an email send us a message on social media whatever works for you that is a perk of being a gold level patreon supporter so please take advantage of it that's all for today's episode thank you guys for tuning in and we will be back next week with a very exciting interview we are actually going to have morgan hurt on the show and we are so so excited about it so if you are a gold or silver patreon supporter make sure you go send questions if you have any you can email them to us or you can just message us on either the patreon app or on social media whatever works so we're at all things gym pod on twitter facebook and instagram And our email is allthingsgympod at gmail.com. We'll be interviewing Morgan on Thursday, May 13th. So depending on what day you're listening to this, if you're a gold or silver Patreon supporter, you might have some time still to send in your questions. But you gotta be quick. (laughs) With that being said, we hope you guys have a great week, and we will see you next Monday. Bye. Bye!